Who has loved this series we've been in called In Process? Anybody? In process, we've been talking about the process is the space in the middle, right? So from where we, where we started to where we end, all that stuff in between, we're calling process. And the great thing is we are a church in process. We are a church of people that are going through process. And what I want to talk to you about today is called the rhythms of process. As we discover the rhythms we need to find while we're in process. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. We're so grateful for what you're doing. God, we thank you for an amazing day. God, as we hear from your word, let it challenge us and change us. God, renew us, rebirth new things in us, God. We open our hearts and we wait expectingly. God, speak to us now in this moment. We thank you for everything that you are doing in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. Well, Ecclesiastes chapter three, if you could get there in your Bible real fast. Verses uh, three, we're gonna go, it's a lot of Bible this morning. Is everyone good with that? Yeah. All right, Ecclesiastes, let's read it. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Some of you are all like, please, can you refrain from embracing me as I come in church? A time to search and a time to, to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He also has set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil, that this is the gift of God. And I know that everything that God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added from it and nothing can be taken away from it. God does it so people will fear him. So Ecclesiastes is talking about all of this time. And at the end of it, the author is basically saying, listen, I know that everything God has done will endure forever. Nothing can be taken from it. Nothing can be added from it. God does it so people will fear him. It's already been done. God's already done this. So I'm thinking about this as we've gone through this series in process. And let's look at the definition of process. It's a series of actions or operations and con con oh, conducting to an end. It's hard to speak sometimes. The definition of rhythm is movement fluctuation or variation marked by the regular reoccurrence or natural flow of related elements. And that makes me sound really smart. <laughs> but some of you know otherwise. Rhythm, the rhythm of process is the pace in which we go through the middle. I remember in junior high school, I really wanted to play football. And obviously, God had blessed me with an athletic body, so I thought <laughs> I should try it and give it a go. So I wanted to play, I, want, I wanted to play football. And of course, everyone, when, when you want to play football, everyone wants to play the quarterback, right? But that's not possible for me. So um, we, me and Pastor Jason are brothers. We uh, grew up with my mom in Seattle, where we lived. And we would come down to Utah every summer. And in, in Seattle, football camp starts in August. So I was late to football camp, which if you're a coach, you're already mad at me for being late to football camp. Because I got to explain to this kid what he's got to do. So he, I, I go up. I'm, I'm all excited. I'm like 12 years old. I'm like, coach, what am I doing? 
so excited, you know, kind of squeaking my voice through. And I knew nothing about football, to be honest. And he said, well, just go in the back and let's get some pads. Who has gone to PE late and then went to the, like, the equipment bin after it's been raided? That is not fair. I had like an extra large hip pad and a small hip pad. The, the shorts were like a medium, which doesn't work. And they were basically shorts. The helmet was a small, and I'm tell- I had to like lubricate the head to get it on. And I think I had kicker pads. Like they were just tiny, and I, I just don't, I don't know what I'm doing. This little kid's running out there. I love, I was super excited to play football. So I go out, and they're in the middle of scrimmage, and uh, I said, Coach, what do I do? He says, well, your job is to stop the quarterback. Don't let him throw the ball. Don't let him run. What you need to do is, he said, listen to the cadence of the quarterback. Listen to the cadence, because what happens, we know in football, the whole goal of the quarterback is to get the ball into his hands without the offensive line moving. So he does that in a certain rhythm and cadence. He has a pace, which they all know. I didn't do any of that. I basically lined up at linebacker and I stood like this in an athletic formation. (laughs) Shoulder pads all small, shirt, belly shirt, not fitting very well. Tiny helmet, like half my face was out, like the grill was right here. Mouth guard, let's go, let's go. Um, I panicked, I froze. I didn't listen to the cadence of the QB because who knows you're supposed to get a jump on him and if you don't, you're in trouble. So I basically stood there and I looked at the QB and I thought, well, at this moment, I'll just let everyone make the tackle and then I'll run over and be like, yeah, I got him. Make it look like I knew what I was doing. Because sometimes I don't know what I'm doing, but I do a good job of making you think that I don't know what I'm doing. But I did none of that. The guy with the ball running back came straight after me. I stood there flat-footed. He, he just right into my chest, pushed me over. I fractured my wrist first play. So to this date, I have played one down of football in my career. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm here to announce today my retirement from football. I wasn't the same. I didn't listen to the cadence of of the quarterback. I didn't know what to do. But life is full of things that have rhythm, aren't they? Now, some of you are thinking, well, this is kind of a cop-out for you doing a message called the rhythm of process. You're the worship guy. Come on. You've got to stretch yourself a little bit better than that. Uh, No, we're talking more than just rhythm inside music. Everything that has movement has a consistent rhythm. See, after I fractured my wrist and I couldn't play sports anymore... I moved on to snare drum in the band, and I learned about a different type of rhythm, which is now what obviously I do all the time. So let's look at a few things that need rhythm. Obviously, music. Who knows the person that doesn't have rhythm in music? Raise your hand. We know. We, we, we stand and we see you. Never mind. I'm just kidding. Dance. The fluid motion that's based around the tempo. Seasons, our, our, our worldly uh, seasons on earth, they have somewhat of a rhythm that goes before. Sports, like who's played golf before? Any good golfers in here? Like I'm not a good golfer, I try. But the driver, when you get it in your hand, you want to swing as hard as possible. And what they say is that it's not about how hard you hit the ball, it's the tempo of your swing. It's about having everything in time with, with itself and then your ball will go straight. Your body has a heartbeat. Just think of all the things that have rhythm to them. It's the, the body is always moving and pumping blood. Our heart has a muscle around it that keeps the rhythm intact. It keeps it moving at all times. So it's important to get into a good rhythm during our life, isn't it? It makes us stronger, makes us more aware, and it makes the process of life 
so much easier. Would you agree with me? Because there's sometimes in the middle when it's like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm on this track of being in the middle, being in process, and sometimes life is so hard. We feel like we have cement shoes on and we're just trying to go through life. So I think, and I've been praying that there's some practical things that God says that we can make, we could find a rhythm in the middle of our process to make life a little bit smoother. So we're going to look at a few different rhythms inside this idea of process. You guys with me so far? If you're taking notes, uh, this first one is called the tempo of process. The tempo of process. John chapter 7, verses 6. This this will not be on the screen. I just kind of added it last minute. But it says, Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. Have you noticed that everything in life revolves around time? We, as people, have taken time and we have broken it down to just the finance degree. There's milliseconds, seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years. Then we go to decades, centuries, millennium. There's so much time that we've categorized into things. It's like as sports, we're timing things and seeing how fast someone can go. Or when there's a countdown on for something awesome that, that we see that go down. We've categorized things into time. And although it is important to see that time does matter, through all of the seasons, the one thing that is consistent is what? It's time. We don't manage that type of time. And I know we've all been to those seminars on time management where you've got the guy that's saying we can learn how to break down our projects and categorize our life and figure out so we can slow time down and make it possible. But it doesn't always work like that with God's plan. You can't control time like that. You can't speed it up and you can't slow it down. You can't make it do anything different than what time already does, consistent. We can't say to time, you know, I'm really enjoying this season right now. Like, woo, awesome. Life's good. Just got a raise, praise the Lord. I'm in a good relationship. Like, God, if we could just slow time down so I can enjoy this season, that'd be great. We can't do that. We can't say to time the opposite. You know, I'm really actually hating this season of my life right now. Please, Lord, can you make this go faster? It doesn't work that way. In fact, it's the opposite. So there's a difference when we look at time in that matter, when we approach our process and our season as time that we have created, as time that we've formulated down to seconds and minutes and days. But there's God's time, which is so much different. God's time runs on kingdom time. It's, it's the God that's saying, listen, I made everything. You guys tried to categorize me into time, but I don't work that way. I don't work in that manner where it says, you know, God, if like, I'm going to give you the next six months and then like, I'm going to pray, I'm going to fast and by six months, I'll know what I'm doing. And God's saying, listen, I don't, I don't work in the, like in the confines of time. I'm so much bigger than time. So you're only allowing me access to your life for the next six months. He's saying, I'm bigger than that. I've got more than that. When we start seeing things through God with the filter of our time, it shifts our focus from wanting to waiting. I have zero patience in my life. I'm not a patient person. My son is not a patient person. My daughter is not a patient person at all. If you, (laughs) but the funny thing about my kids is they're they're so worried about time, especially Gideon, my, my oldest. He always wants to know what time it is. He always wants to know what's going on. It's like, dad, what time is it? I'm like, who cares, it's Saturday. You shouldn't know. Why? Why do you have to know what time it is on Saturday? What do you have to do that you got to know what time it is? Seriously. 
goes by in a minute. Dad, what time is it? It's now it's a minute later. Thank you. He's so impatient, and so am I. Like, he probably gets it for me. But, like, there's so many times where it's like, I don't have the patience to wait, right? When we look at our process like this, it, it turns from wanting something to happen to waiting on God. Waiting on God is such a hard place to be. We want to speed up the tempo to go through the seasons quicker, but God says, no, I've got you here for a reason. We want to slow down the seasons because we get too comfortable and we love it, and God's saying, I'm going to move you on to something different, something bigger, something greater. Sometimes we want to rush the tempo, but God is clearly not ready to fulfill the promises he set before us. That takes time. It takes patience. It takes waiting on God. And when I want something, like my Starbucks order or you know, whatever it is on the phone, I'm wanting something. I don't have the patience for it. But when I wait for something, I'm ready to sit and say, okay, God, I'm ready to, be, to wait on you in this moment to be challenged and change. It just, it shifts our mindset. But things that we want take, the things that God is speaking to us, they can take time. See, Noah prepared the ark for 50 years before the rain fell. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for their promised son. Joseph waited 14 years in prison for a crime he didn't even commit. David waited 15 years before he was finally recognized as the king of Israel. Jesus waited 33 years to to finally fulfill everything that he was supposed to do on earth. The things that God wants us to do can take time. How does, how does time affect you? Are you a milk or a wine person? Like wine gets better with wine, vinegar, all that stuff. Like when you age something, it gets better with age. Who knows milk does not get better with age? <laughs> Woo! Milk ain't good. When you drink it, oh, it's got that one smell right before it. Oh, like our son like got to the point where I, I was having him pour his own milk for, for cereal in the morning because I'm like, I'm good. You can do that now. You're old enough. Leave daddy alone. <laughs> daddy, something weird about my cereal. It tastes real bad. I mean, there was straight up cottage cheese in that bowl. <laughs> he was so excited for that cereal. Bloop, bloop. Like, sorry. Sorry, I don't mean to gross people out. It looked like Elmer's glue coming out. <laughs> so are you a milk person or are you a wine person? Do you get better with time spent? Do you, do you harbor frustration and go bad like milk? Yeah. Or do you get better with, with, with time? Do we get seasoned with time? It grows our faith. It challenges us. Because again, we know something. We know that God's ways are higher. Though I'm walking into the promise. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to keep on moving. I'm not going to worry about what the calendar says. I'm going to trust that God's next thing for me happens in the time that it has to happen. So when we go through this idea of process and thinking about the tempo of how I'm supposed to progress forward, let's not look at it and count the seconds. See, the tempo of process is set by your and our obedience and trust in him. I'll say that again. The tempo of process is set by our obedience and our trust in him. When you could stand and say, God, I, I, I trust you. I trust you right now in this season. Even though it hurts and I, I'm taking heat, I'm taking fire, I'm going to trust you that what you have for me is coming in your time and not the time that I have allocated because he's so much. The Bible says his ways, come on, are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our, he knows something more than we don't know. And he's saying, if you guys could just hold tight, there's something, your, your miracle, your blessing is on the cor- around the corner waiting. But if it's like we're just tracking the seconds, we're wanting and not waiting on God. So how do, how do we apply this? How do we apply the tempo of process. 
There's three quick things. Number one is to gain perspective. If you've looked at a map before, anyone look at a map anymore? Or is it just all this now? I'm with you. It's so much easier. That, like, a map in a car is a dangerous thing. You just, woof, right in the map. It's not a good idea. But it's funny, when you look at a map and you see from afar, a mile doesn't look that far. It's actually really hard to see a mile if you look at an actual map. But when you're on the ground floor and you're walking out a mile, like when I try to run a mile, it feels like I'm running for like an hour. Like a long time. Like a mile feels like forever. And so when we get into these moments where we feel like things are going on for a long time, gain perspective. Gain perspective. Let's pull ourselves out. Let's get a bird's eye view and see that in actuality in the realm of how, how far, how big my life is, that, that it's just a small glimpse, right? So gain perspective. Number two, wait on God, not our timing. He's got someplace that you're going. We all have destinations that we're on our way to. We want to get to. And God is saying, wait on me because you don't know what my timing is. You don't know what your next thing is even. We may not even know what the next thing that God is about to step. And even if we do know that, you know, we're believing for something or if healing is on the way or if whatever these things are that God says it's in my timing that it's going to happen. Trust me. And number three is seek counsel from those that can speak into your life. Seek counsel from those that can speak into your life, that can speak into your life, that can and are allowed to speak into your life. Find someone, like a spiritual father or mother, someone to bounce ideas off. You know, God sets people in our lives to speak to us through that person sometimes. We're not going to hear the audible, Justin, you can go now. Move into the next season. I don't know why I made God sound like an older British man. <laughs> Justin, move in now. He speaks through people, right? Doesn't he? Yeah. Even if it's encouragement, like even if it's not like this person's going to come give me the answer to everything. Sometimes in the midst of my season where things are going to all I need is encouragement. That's God, yeah. like encouraging us. So for though, and I've, I've talked to so many people that says, I don't hear from God. Man, the people that pour into your life and speak to you every day, are, they're gifts from God that are speaking into your life, right? And so, like, it may not be God, like, writing you a letter and sending it to you or speaking out loud while you sleep, but it's still people that are sent from God to be in your life. In that moment, I need Devon to speak encouragement into me. When he started singing, it was better than me. When Pastor Andrew came, and he's the dancing pastor, he's the fun pastor, and there's people are in my life to encourage me when I'm going through my time. So don't take that for granted that these people are actually just random people. They are from God. They're people in our life. And if you could seek counsel, come talk to pastors. Come find someone that has some knowledge and some life and is a good man and woman of God who follows Jesus and let them impart into you because they're driving everything off what the Bible says. Like that, find a spiritual person who can counsel and speak into your life. Is that good? Yeah. So the, that's the tempo of process. Number two, the cadence of process. The cadence of process. Mark chapter four, verses 35 through 41. Since that day when the evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over there to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. And just as he was in the boat, there were also other boats with him. 
a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So at this point, when waves are crashing over your vessel, you're not in a good place. Would you all agree? Like, there's a big storm. Water is not supposed to get on that part of the boat. Not good. So let's get this picture of a, of a, a storm, and there's a small little boat. Everyone's panicking. It says, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, this is the lamest question you can ask in this moment, but it says, teacher, don't you care if we drown? You have to imagine Jesus waking up, like when you wake up out of a, just a gaze, and I've done this before, that, you know, who his kids has woken him up that early in the morning and they asked like the weirdest question. It's like four in the morning. It's like, dad, can I watch like cartoons? Son, nothing happens at four in the morning. So go away. Uh, they asked teacher, Do you, don't you care if we drown? Jesus said, of course. Come on. He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He then said to his disciples, why are, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I, this story is super funny to me because there's a, there's a storm. Jesus is sleeping. The guys break in and be like, God, do you want us to die? He gets up and says, shh, silences the seas. He's like, I'm going back to bed. Like, I'm sleeping. Come on. Of course not. Like, do you not have faith? The cadence of process is finding the ebb and flow through life. Just like songs, they increase with intensity and they decrease in certain moments. But what is still the same is the tempo throughout everything. But the cadence is what changes. The cadence where we inflect with our voice, we go up and down. The oohs and ahs, cadence. Jesus is trying to instruct us that there's some times in life where you have to rest. My wife crushes sleep. My wife is the best sleeper in this church. I'm not, challenge me, bro. She is the best sleeper. The average sleep for people in the United States is 6.8 hours. The average Alicia's sleep is 12. <laughs> Mine is around 5.3 hours. My, like, if we want to go on a date and watch a movie, I'm like, babe, would you want to go to, we should go see a movie? She's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, so we should start at around 4.30 in the afternoon to make sure that we see, we see the whole thing. Alicia's great. We'll have people over and we're all just having a good time. Alicia's just, she's asleep. And there's like, there's like everyone screaming, having fun, outside laughter, and she's dead asleep. And then we'll say, oh, look at Alicia. And she goes, you guys. <laughs> she knows how to sleep well. My wife can, can crush sleep. So the rest that Jesus is talking about, and we do actually physically, we need sleep. Would you all agree? It's, it's not talking about actual sleep. There's more to it. Rest is a spiritual and emotional retreat. Prayer, time spent in the presence of Jesus. It's resting in him. I love this moment in my daughter's life because she still calls me daddy. She still runs to me. And, and she just wants to, like, she'll come to me. She's like, daddy, can we snuggle? I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes. Like, I am an emotional guy, but once I cross 30, I could cry on a drop of a hat. Like, any, any movie in the theater. Dad, are you crying? I'm like, no. I'm allergic to the leather. 
not crying. But Harper comes to me and says, Daddy, can we snuggle? Can you hold me? See, Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about this idea of calling God Abba Father, which means Daddy God. And she comes to me and she rests in me and she's not sleeping, but she's, she's there and she feels my protection and my comfort. And we sometimes look at God as just a figure of authority and the figure that created everything and this God that is distant, but he's really a God that says, I'm your Abba Father. I wanna give you rest. I wanna give you moments where you could settle in when life gets crazy and the cadence of all the things and find rest in me. So even if Jesus needed to stop and rest in the middle of the chaotic world he was in, in our world, with all the important things that he had to do, don't you think we need rest as well? Sometimes during chaos, during hurt, during the pain, all we need to focus on is to rest in him. The ability to fully trust God is to allow yourself to rest when the storms of life come. I love this idea that it's like I can go to God in the midst of my storm and just sit in his presence put some worship music on, go in my car and just drive up somewhere and park it and just sit with God and say, God, I need you right now. I'm in the fight. You know that I'm in the fight. I'm in this moment where I'm struggling. I'm dealing with things. And God said, just, just rest in me. Like, what do I do? Pastor, people come to me all the time. What do I do? Like, I can't think of what to do to go on. And like the, the number one thing that when we get in moments of chaos is just to always rest in the fact that God loves us. Let it build from there because God is so big that he could take that moment. And when you realize the love of God and how deep it is, it, it, it rejuvenates me to go like, I'm super excited. When my, when my kids go to bed at, home, like at night when they're sleeping, they know that they're fine because I'm in the house and I've got them. I'm watching over them. I'm their protector. I'm their provider. They don't have to worry. So there's this childlike faith that runs up. And when it says that the cadence of life, when it gets too fast, just rest in God. When the cadence of life gets too slow, rest in God. Sleep it off. You'll find Alicia there. <laughs> I, I love her so much. She sleeps so good. <laughs> Rest is good. It's really good. And number three, what this next uh, tempo, rhythm, whatever you want to call it, in the moments of process is the repetition of process. Uh, I'm going to invite... My, my friend Jason Gantz up to the stage. Come on up, buddy. <laughs> He's mad at me right now. The repetition of process. So obviously Jason needs to work out, so we're going to help him out. Can you come? Do you, have you seen this device before? Huh. Just kind of step up. There we go. There we go. Okay, so I want you to just get your workout on for a moment. There we go. All right. You stay there. We're going to read the Bible. First Peter chapter 4. Just ignore the squeaking. We forgot to WD-40 it. The whole time during the first, it was like, ee, ee, ee. First Peter chapter 4. I'm going to read uh, verse 6 through 19, a lot of Bible. And I'm going to read this out of the message, which I don't do that much. I don't study the message, but... This chapter uh, in the message is really, really good. So Jason, you good? You, can you hear me? Good. <laughs> First Peter chapter four, in the message version, it says, listen to the message. It was preached to those believers who are now dead, and yet even though they are died, just as all people must, they will still get in on the life that God has given in Jesus. 
Everything in the world is about to be wrapped up. So take nothing for granted. Stay wide awake in prayer. Most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Love makes up for practically anything. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless, cheerfully. Be generous with different things that God gave you, passing them around so all can get in on it. If words, let them be God words. If help, let it be God's help. The way that God will bright his presence will be evident in everything through Jesus, and he'll get the credit as one mighty in everything cures till the end of time. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't already on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is the spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. If you're abused because of Christ, count yourself fortunate. It is the spirit of God and his glory in you that brought you to the notice of others. If they're on you because you broke the law or or disturbed the peace, that's a different matter. Don't do that. But if it's because you're a Christian, don't give it a second thought. Be proud of the distinguished status reflected in that name. It's judgment time for Christians. We're the first in line. If it starts with us, then think what it's going to be like for those who refuse God's message. If good people barely make it, what's in store for the bad? So if you find life difficult because because doing good, take it in stride. Trust him. He knows what he's doing, and he'll keep on doing it. Man. You're doing what God said. Take it in stride. Trust him. <laughs> this is a big, big mistake. Can you go faster, please? Come on. There you go. I love this passage because it says, listen, everything's been done. All right, now what do you got to do? It's love God and love people. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. That is the repetition of process. Of every stride, it's love God, love people. Love God, love people, love God, love people. Go faster. Love God, love people, love God, love people, love people. When you get in moments where it's hard to understand, what am I supposed to do next? Our default position is to love God and love people. And through that, God is going to bring the story of what you are doing to a full circle and say, listen, I'm going to bring you to a spot, but until then, would you trust me enough to love God and love people? And it gets hard. What are things that take away our gaze from doing the things? Sin, feelings, emotions, distrust. Try to do the same thing you're doing with one leg. <laughs> oh. uh. All right, give Jason Gantz a round of applause, everybody. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is that when we lose our default with what God wants us to do, which is to pursue God and love people, pursue God and love people, pursue God and love people, Come on, in seasons of doubt, love God and love people. In seasons of frustrations, love God and love people. In seasons of confusion, what do I do? Love God and love people. When you don't know what to do, love God and love people. When life comes against you, love God and love people. When the enemy is all around you, love God and love people. When you lose your job or you lose your marriage or your life is going on the rocks or your life is going great and everything is good, what do I do? Love God and love people. This repetition is so simple. But yet it's so easy to forget that in the day, regardless of how fast life is going or what tempo that God is taking us through or what rest moment we're in, what cadence, love God, love people. Love God, love people. How do I love God? Spend time in his presence. Get into the Bible. Spend time in worship. Come to church. Lift people up. Be... Christ followers 
not Christians, Christ followers, pursue God's call over your life through sanctification. Wake up every day and acknowledge God's grace that no, God, I've failed, I've messed up, but it's only because of you that I'm able to keep going regardless of what I did. Love God. How do I love people? Just be a human that cares for people. Show people the love of Jesus through everything we do, our actions. When we go to our jobs, we're ministers. When I go home, I'm a minister. When I go to the grocery store, I'm a minister. I got, I got to show people, God, if I'm not pointing people to Jesus, what am I doing? What is my life worth at the end of the day? I'm not just a worship leader. I'm more than that. We don't just sing on stage. Like, we don't just come to, uh, to church and like serve in kids ministry and that's all life is. Like God is so much more to our individual lives when we go out and in stride, the repetition of our process, the tempo is to love God, love people. Your fruit in that season will always be how God wants it to be. That's a story that I was reading about which is so profound. It says there was a man who had four sons. If everyone could actually stand in this moment. There was a man who had four sons. He wanted his sons to learn not to judge things too quickly. So he sent them each on a quest, in turn, to go look at a pear tree that was a great distance away. The first son went out in the winter, the second went in the spring, the third in the summer, and the fourth son in the fall. When they had gone and they came back, he called them together to describe what they had seen. The first son said that the tree was ugly bent and twisted. The second son said, no, it was covered with green buds and it was full of promise. The third son disagreed and said, when I saw it, it was laden with blossoms and it smelled so sweet and looked so beautiful. It was the most graceful thing I'd ever seen. The last son disagreed with all of them and said, it was ripe and drooping with fruit, full of life and fulfillment. The man explained to his sons that they were all right because they had seen each but only one season in the tree's life. He told them that you can out you cannot judge a tree or a person by only one season. And that the essence of who they are, the pleasure, the joy, love came from what came in that one season alone. When all seasons are up, that's when you measure the fruit of a tree. If you give up when it's winter, you'll miss the promise of your spring, the beauty of your summer, and the fulfillment of your fall. This idea that when I go and I'm looking at myself in this moment, and maybe it's winter, and I could look at my fruit in the moment of this time and say, God, I'm not right. And I could give up so fast when I look at a tree that's dead. He's saying, no, listen, spring is coming. Summer is coming. Winter is on, like you're gonna produce fruit. But in this moment, this is what God wants me to be in this time. This is where I'm at right now. What am I gonna do about it? And some of us, it's so easy. And I've done this, I'm preaching to myself where I've, I've taken for granted the fruit that I had in that season. And if you give up on a tree and you don't continue to nurture it, it won't move past into the next seasons and eventually it dies. And God says, listen, recognize that there is a time for everything, a time to sow and a time to reap. That this life that we're on, this process, has a cadence, has a rhythm. Find rest in me. Find hope in me. And through everything, love God, love people. Amen.